0: Part 6. Chapter 1. Of the Life of Florence Nightingale. Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Florence Nightingale. Volume 2. By Edward Tyus Cook. Workhouse Reform Continued. Parts four five and six she was not one however to waste much time in empty lamentations she had to begin over again that was all and she wrote at once as we have heard to the new minister she also procured an introduction for mr farnall to lord Derby, and the prime minister seemed sympathetic mr hardy had answered politely but did not follow up his letter and his first move seemed sinister he dismissed mr farnall from whitehall and sent him to the yorkshire poor-law district the anti-reform party was believed to have gained the ascendant but now a fortunate thing happened mr hardy made a speech in which he implied that the existing laws were adequate if properly enforced to meet the case technically there was a measure of truth in this statement but in practice it was fallacious and in any case mr hardy's remark was a reflection on his predecessor's administration this nettled mr villiers greatly he was not going to sit down under it he said he became red-hot for reform very much on the alert too to trip his successor up miss nightingale did not fail to add fuel to the flame mr villiers corresponded with her at great length saw her repeatedly reported all he was able to learn of how things were going at whitehall and begged her to do the like for him the public are led to infer he said to her that nothing was needed but a touch from mr hardy's wand to set all things straight the public thought miss nightingale also would soon discover his mistake mr hardy would find that he had either to do nothing or to legislate unless indeed the tory ministry were overthrown first now miss nightingale was a whig and she too would have been glad enough to see the tories out and mr villiers in again at the poor law board but there was something that she cared about a great deal more namely that the neglect of the sick poor should be remedied at the earliest possible moment and as the tories might after all weather the storm she must see what she could do to get a poor law bill out of them in the autumn mr hardy appointed a committee mainly composed of doctors to report upon the requisite amount of space and other matters in relation to workhouses and workhouse infirmaries one of the other matters was nursing and the committee instead of expressing an opinion on the subject themselves asked miss nightingale to send them a paper in this memorandum dated january nineteen eighteen sixty seven she made full use of her opportunity for she pointed out that the question of nursing could not either in logic or in effective practice be separated from that of administration in the recent inquiries she wrote the point which strikes an experienced hospital manager is not the individual cases which have been made so much of though these are striking enough but the view which the best matrons the best masters and other officials of the workhouses give from their own lips in evidence of what they considered their duties these bore as little reference to what are usually considered not by me alone but by all christendom the duties of hospital superintendents as they bear to the duties of railway superintendents your committee is probably well acquainted with the administration of the assistance publique at paris no great stretch of imagination is required to conceive what they think of the system or no system reigning here i allude to the heaping up aged infirm sick able-bodied lunatics and sometimes children in the same building instead of having as in every other christian country your asylum for aged your hospital for sick your lunatic asylum your union school etc 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 each under its proper administration and your able-bodied quite apart from any of these categories this point is of such vital importance to the introduction and successful working of an efficient nursing system that i shall illustrate it and she went on to outline her general scheme in accordance with her usual custom miss nightingale had copies of her paper struck off separately and circulated them among influential people the committee had given her a platform but its own report was only of subsidiary value she put her point of view with a touch of exaggeration characteristic of her familiar letters to captain galton one of the members of the committee i look upon the cubic space as the least of the evils indeed as rather a good for it is a very good thing to suffocate the pauper sick out of their misery meanwhile she thought it wholesome that the inns should know that the outs did not mean to let the subject of poor law reform be shelved i have had a great deal of clandestine correspondence she wrote to a friend who might pass the information on october twenty eighth eighteen sixty six with my old loves at the poor law board these last two months the belief among the old loves is that the new master is bent on doing nothing there is only one thing of which i am quite sure and that is that mr villiers will lead mr gathorne hardy no easy life next february part five. mr hardy kept his own counsel and made no sign as the session drew near miss nightingale became anxious and she poured in letters and memoranda upon him in one of these she made what turned out to be an unfortunate mistake she was too frank she was pressing upon mr hardy's attention the importance of the liverpool experiment and in the course of her exposition she said incidentally that there had been difficulties mr hardy misinterpreted the remark and made use of it to explain in the house of commons why he did not propose to take any direct action in the matter of nursing reform indirectly however his proposals did a great deal on february 8, eighth eighteen sixty seven mr hardy introduced his bill so legislation had after all been found necessary to meet the demand that something must be done to that extent that mr villiers had no need to make mr hardy's life a burden to him the question was how much did the bill do and was what it did good or bad those who had been working for reform were anxious to know what miss nightingale thought i should amazingly like to hear wrote mr villiers to her what you say to this seven months child born in the workhouse at whitehall mr ernest hart's association whose attitude was summed up by mr villiers as silenced but not satisfied applied for her opinion her journalistic friends wanted hints dr sutherland was told in a note requiring his instant attention that x wants to know in what tone he is to write his article in the daily news and that y will write an article in the Pall mell in any sense we wish now whenever a bill is introduced touching a question which demands or admits of large reforms there are two points of view from which it may be regarded one man compares what is proposed with the existing state of things and asks himself is there any decided improvement another comparing the proposals with what might exist in the future asks does the bill approximate to the ideal the former is the view which practical politicians take the latter the view which is apt to be taken by administrative enthusiasts miss nightingale's administrative mind saw chiefly and at first saw only the points at which and the measure in which mr hardy's bill fell short of logical perfection it was a tentative measure it was largely permissive it did something to separate the sick and the children from the ordinary paupers but it did not do all moreover so far as direct and express enactment went it did nothing to improve workhouse nursing miss nightingale pronounced the bill therefore a humbug its principles were none its details beastly she tried hard to get the bill amended and extended sir harry verney who might perhaps be described as member of parliament for miss nightingale gave every assistance that was possible and mr mill inspired largely by his old friend mr chadwick with whom miss nightingale also was in constant correspondence took a prominent part in the debates to the same end but he seldom pressed his points to a division and there was little life in the opposition mr villiers was as critical as he could reasonably be but the real fact was that the bill made a great and a surprising step in the direction which miss nightingale had pressed upon him these were days in which disraeli was educating his party in the political art of dishing the whigs and the difficulty was as mr jowett wrote to miss nightingale to discover any clear difference between a tory and a radical mr mill with the candor that became a philosopher had no doubt that the bill would effect a vast improvement mr villiers with the determination of the politician to score a point admitted that the bill would set the ball rolling and reflected that anything might presently come from a party which had been converted from pure conservatism to household suffrage in forty-eight hours and mr hardy in his conduct of the measure was careful to conciliate the other side he agreed to all the objections in principle pleaded the difficulty of doing everything in a moment and claimed for his bill that it was only a beginning and so in fact it turned out while well, even at the time the reforms made by the bill which became an act on march twenty ninth eighteen sixty seven were sufficiently beneficent the whole of the unions and parishes in london were formed by an order under the act into one district the metropolitan asylum district for the treatment of insane fever and small-pox cases which had hitherto been dealt with in the workhouses separate infirmaries were formed for the non-infectious sick with a greatly enlarged cubic space per inmate dispensaries were established throughout the metropolis above all the metropolitan common poor fund the hospital and asylum rate of miss nightingale's memorandum was established and to it were charged the maintenance of the asylums medicines etc and the maintenance of pauper children in separate schools when the battle was lost or won miss nightingale counted up the gains and said this is a beginning we shall get more in time and such has been the case the act of eighteen sixty seven was the foundation on which many improvements in medical relief under the poor law have been laid and the principles implied in the act the separation of the sick from the paupers and in the case of London the making medical relief a common charge are likely to receive yet further recognition they are the principles for which miss nightingale contended her influence in forming the public opinion which made the legislation of eighteen sixty seven possible was referred to in both houses of parliament part six soon after the act of eighteen sixty seven came into operation to the improvement of london workhouses the pioneer of improved workhouse nursing died in liverpool the work of miss agnes jones whose early difficulties have been described above had gone ahead with ever-increasing success the difficulties indeed continued and throughout eighteen sixty seven miss nightingale was still busy in giving encouragement and advice but the results of the work were so satisfactory that in march eighteen sixty seven the liverpool vestry decided to extend the trained nursing to the female wards and to throw the whole cost upon the rates when the strain of the increased work was at its severest point miss jones was attacked by fever and she died on february nineteenth eighteen sixty eight two good words in the following june miss nightingale contributed a touching paper in memory of her friend and disciple she died as she had lived at her post in one of the largest workhouse infirmaries in the kingdom she lived the life and died the death of the saints and martyrs though the greatest sinner would not have been more surprised than she to have heard this said of herself in less than three years she had reduced one of the most disorderly hospital populations in the world to something like christian discipline such as the police themselves wondered at she had converted a vestry to the conviction of the economy as well as humanity of nursing pauper sick by trained nurses she had converted the poor law board a body perhaps not usually given to much enthusiasm she had disarmed all opposition all sectarian zealotism so that roman catholic and unitarian high church and low church all literally rose up and called her blessed all of all shades of religious creed seemed to have merged their differences in her seeing in her the one true essential thing compared with which they acknowledged their differences to be as nothing and aged paupers made verses in her honour after her death in less than three years the time generally given to the ministry on earth of that saviour whom she so earnestly strove closely to follow she did all this she had the gracefulness, the wit, the unfailing cheerfulness, quality so remarkable but so much overlooked in our saviour's life she had the absence of all asceticism or mortification for mortification's sake which characterised his work and any real work in the present day as in his day and how did she do all this she was not when a girl of any conspicuous ability except that she had cultivated in herself to the utmost a power of getting through business in a short time without slurring it over and without fidfaddling at it real business her father's business she was always filled with the thought that she must be about her father's business how can any undervalue business habits as if anything could be done without them she could do and she did do more of her father's business in six hours than ordinary women do in six months or than most of even the best women do in six days what she went through during her workhouse life is scarcely known but to god and to one or two yet she said that she had never been so happy in all her life all the last winter she had under her charge above fifty nurses and probationers above one hundred and fifty pauper scourers from one thousand two hundred and ninety to one thousand three hundred and fifty patients being from two to three hundred more than the number of beds all this she had to provide for and arrange for often receiving an influx of patients without a moment's warning she had to manage and persuade the patients to sleep three and four in two beds sometimes six or even eight children had to be put in one bed and being asked on one occasion whether they did not kick one another they answered oh no ma'am we're so comfortable poor little things they scarcely remembered ever to have slept in a bed before but this is not the usual run of workhouse life and if any one would know what are the lowest depths of human vice and misery would see the festering mass of decay of living human bodies and human souls and then would try what one living soul filled with the spirit of her god can do to let in the light of god into this hideous well worse than the well of cawnpore to bind up the wounds to heal the broken-hearted to bring release to the captives let her study the ways and follow in the steps of this one young frail woman who has died to show us the way blessed in her death as in her life the death of miss jones involved miss nightingale in much anxiety and additional responsibility the whole work of finding her successor has fallen upon me she wrote to madame Mole, march twenty and in addition they expect me to manage the workhouse at liverpool from my bedroom and again april thirty i have seven or eight hours a day additional writing for the last two months about this liverpool workhouse the bundle of correspondence on the subject makes this statement quite credible I believe I have found a successor, at last. I don't think anything in the course of my long life ever struck me so much as the deadlock we have been placed in by the death of one pupil, combined, you know, with the enormous jaw, the infinite female ink which England pours forth on woman's work. It used to be said that people gave their blood to their country, now they give their ink. Miss Nightingale's first concern was to put heart and strength into the nurses who were now deprived of their chief writing as their affectionate friend and fellow-sufferer she called upon them to fight the good fight without flinching many battles which seemed desperate while the general lived had been fought and won by the soldiers who when they saw their general fall were determined to save his name and win the ground he had died for and shall we fight a heavenly battle a battle to cure the bodies and souls of god's poor less well than men fight an earthly battle to kill and wound the nurses have been splendid she was able to report presently miss nightingale concluded her paper in good words with a stirring appeal to others poor law officials on their part and devoted women on theirs to go and do likewise the son of god goes forth to war who follows in his train o oh, daughters of god are there so few to answer the appeal awoke a response in at least one heart one of the most valued of miss nightingale's disciples ascribed her call to this article in good words some of us she says who were children in the days of the crimean war when miss nightingale's most famous work was done were responsible girls at home nursing as occasion arose in our families by the light of her notes to the music of longfellow's verse when once again she came before us flashing out of her retirement with the trumpet call of una many are now called to such work but few i suppose are chosen in the sense of being found worthy to do the work in the spirit of agnes jones the liverpool experiment rendered successful by her devotion rapidly made its mark in ten years time the system of employing pauper inmates as nurses had been entirely superseded in all sick asylums and separate infirmaries by paid nurses in eighteen ninety seven the employment of pauper nurses in any workhouse was forbidden and the training of the paid nurses has been continuously improved to miss nightingale here as in all her undertakings each point gained was only a step on the road to perfectibility among some communings with herself written in eighteen sixty seven there is this entry easter sunday never think that you have done anything effectual in nursing in london till you nurse not only the sick poor in workhouses but those at home End of workhouse reform parts four five and six